Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a great episode of Boss Talks. This is episode 70. Our guest today is Kara Cermak. She's with Real Manage on the HOA side of the business, which is my first guest from HOA, which I'm super excited about and hope is the first of many more to come. But she is a great person to hear from. She has great experience. She hails out of Chicago area in Illinois. She comes from a company that was a family business in the HOA world. They grew it up to be very healthy and successful. And then sold it off to real manage and so she's been with them for a few years she stuck around done some learning and development leading the charge in that way and then now is over the illinois market and just leading the people in that way there as well so there's a lot of great things we're going to talk about today learning more about the hoa world a lot of my listeners may or may not have a lot of familiarity with that particular side of the business when it comes to residential real estate but it will be sure to be an interesting conversation. So we'll get right into it. But first, I'm your host, Evan Happel. I'm with Community Boss, and we have some great solutions when it comes to manage your physical spaces, whether that's your parking, your amenities, or mapping. We got you covered. We'll even generate some revenue and just make it a better experience for residents and owners of communities. But that's enough of that. Let's get Kara to the show. Kara, thank you so much for being here. You bet. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And again, thank you so much for being guest number one on my HOA business. That's I'm, right. We, I'm ready. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Because we we dabble in both sides, predominantly in residential real estate is what we do our business. We're probably like 40% HOA, 60% multifamily. So it's nothing to stub your nose at. 40% is a good chunk of business. So we needed some representation when it comes to the show. So thank you so much again for being here. You bet. I'm glad to be the first one. Yeah. And again, maybe you'll be the catalyst for more. I have a few more lined up, but I know you've got connections. I'm sure we'll be able to dive into a few more. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's important because it is, it is housing, but it's different. And it's community management, but it's different. So there is nuance and all the things, and there's interesting things that go on that side of the business that we're definitely going to get into. But before we do, I have three questions I always ask my guests. Okay. My first question is, when it comes to building community in more of a social sense, how do you go about that? Woo, that is not a quick answer right there. <laughs> building community, that's actually the underbelly of everything we do. What we do as community association management companies, managers, assistants, all of these people at the end of the day, we're looking to build community. We're looking for neighbors to have a sense of community with one another. Even if your demographics are such that you've got two people working all the time, you, they probably don't have a ton of time for social events and so forth. What we do is to find the things that interest that community. You can have two communities that look exactly the same, and they could be two miles apart. And they will be a totally different feel to them. 
They want different things in their communities. That's part of what really good community managers do is figure out what they want, what they need, so that when we need to solve problems together, we know each other right from the beginning. Absolutely. Thank you for answering that. And then when it comes to your personal life, how do you go about it? How do I build community? Yeah. Uh, I, I have to say, right at this particular moment, most community association managers have the same answer. It is uh, budget season. And in the community association world, that involves your volunteer board of directors. There are so many processes and procedures. And especially here in Illinois, we're at the forefront of the legislation. Once it hits Illinois, Florida, and California, it's probably coming to a state near you, uh, but we really have a lot of hoops to jump through, which are great because we want to be sure the volunteer board understands everything, but it is a complicated process. So right at the moment, I am lucky to be hanging out with my family. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> That's good. It's a good place probably to prioritize first, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But yeah, what you're saying is completely true. Managers on that side of the business, they aren't managing one community. They're, they almost more function as if they're more like a regional because they're like, they have multiple communities and then board of directors for the communities that they deal with. Yeah. So the boards can choose what it is they want. If they want their manager to be dedicated to them, they can do that. But needless to say, that costs more money. Typically, sure. you have portfolio management, which means that they share in the cost with these other communities. They get economies of scale. And of course, then they share the manager's time. This is a sticky issue because boards, it's very hard to say, you're up, your time is up for this week. You, we can't do anything more for you. It is, it's very difficult to get boards to understand that, but that's the reality of it. You share a manager, economies of scale, you pay less money, and we all need to work together. But then they have expectations as if they're going to have more of your time. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, they're volunteer board members. So it's incumbent right. upon us to educate them to whatever degree we, that we can. And keeping in mind, there's some sociology to the fact that these are their homes. This is where they raise their families. This is their sanctuary. And what our job is, is to tell you things you can't do in your home or say, hey, we need to replace the roof this year. Here's how much money it's going to cost out of your reserves. And so we have sticky situations compounded by the fact that they live there. And so right. it just, they have a caveman. And actually, I have actually read about it. There's a caveman mentality. It's their home. Stay out of it. Yeah. 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 We'll get into more of that for sure. Okay. But uh, my next question, thanks for answering the first one. Yeah. My next question is when it comes to hospitality, having people over, making them feel special, what is it that you would make for a meal? I am the queen of appetizers. So okay. No matter whether it's at my house, my sister's, wherever we're going to be having an event, especially around the holidays, I'm the queen of putting out so many appetizers that you don't even want to eat the meal by the time it comes around. Shrimp cocktail, artichoke dip. So I, I love appetizers. Delicious. Yeah. I do too. And then you're right. 
I don't necessarily need to eat the meal, but then I do eat the meal. And we do too. We do too. But honestly, you're not even hungry for it by that point. Right. And you would think, why don't I, why don't I cut down on it? I don't know. I can't. Yeah. That's what I do. Exactly. That's what the holidays are for. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thanks for answering. And then third question, final question. When it comes to your caffeinated beverage of choice, which could be coffee, doesn't have to be coffee. What is your go-to? So I don't drink any pop because okay. I don't want to waste my calories on pop. Okay. And you guys probably don't call it pop. You probably call it soda. That's so <laughs> Illinois. But anyway, coffee all day, every day. So yeah, it's coffee. Just black, nothing in it? No, no a little cream. No fruit? Okay. A little cream and that's So what's your, that. when you're getting crazy and having a beverage, like coffee, for instance, what would your favorite drink be? If I'm not having coffee? No, you're having coffee, but maybe you're frou-frouing it up a little bit. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. I don't frou-frou my coffee. I just, it doesn't work together for me. <laughs> so I, I'm a White Claw girl. Uh, oh. We should talk to White Claw. Yeah, I'm a White Claw girl. Less calories, delicious. Got it. Not so much caffeine, more beverage of social choice. Yeah, I drink enough coffee. By the end of the day, I need, I, I definitely don't need more caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> and I started off hyper anyway. So, yeah. All right. Thanks for answering. Yeah. All right. So I want to get right into it and really get into the fact that you've been around the industry for a while, 33 plus years. Yeah. And did you live and breathe it? Because your family has just been in it. So more than 33 years, probably. Yeah, it is more than 33 years. Yes, I I came from a family of divorce and my mom was a single mom. My dad lived in another state and she started the our community management company. And my sister and I were, we were at the office with my mom every weekend because we have to keep in mind, we didn't have, they had computers that were like would take up a room. So you couldn't work from home. That wasn't even a possibility. So we were at the office with my mom every weekend. We um, played games like Roof Leak and Pipe Burst. And back then was when the copiers went like this and we would copy our butts. We would literally sit on the copier. <laughs> so anyway, I have been doing this since I can remember. And once it gets in your blood, you can't get away from it. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So you grew up in it. And when it came to choosing career of choice, was it your first, did you just go right into it or did you, no way. And then you ended up here. Yeah. So I went and I got my degree in operations management and I was really good at it, which is very different. It's manufacturing based, a lot of calculations, a lot of stats. I loved it. And that was my plan because back then on 1991, there were not a lot of women in operations management. So it was a really great thing. I was going to pop in there. And then we had an issue with the family business. And my mom called me. Her partner was leaving the company and she was leaving with some communities. And, and so I said, forget it. I'm going to come there. I'm going to save the business with you. And that's what we did. So wow. yeah, I, I had intended to get away from it, but I don't even know why I pretended. I, I was always going to be here. It was in your blood. It yep. was in your blood. Yep. And then, so you ran that, and that, what was that business called? Rowell Incorporated. Okay. Is that 
like to your family name or no so very interesting the company was actually founded by two men and they quickly realized they had zero desire to do this for a living their names were roger peterson and denny powell so roe from roger and well from powell and my mom was their first employee coming off a divorce and it wasn't very long before she bought the business and it was ours wow yeah that's amazing yeah that was 1973 wow so this year if Rowell was still around it would have been our 50th anniversary oh that's amazing isn't it that's pretty great so how long you guys been a part of real manage almost six years okay i really it's first of all in the community association industry so much is happening with technology and our margins are not so hot. So it was really the sort of thing where I wanted to be able to really compete. I wanted the very best and Real Manage has the very best software platform and they have a heart. They have heart and that that's where I decided to go because of the heart more than anything else. And, and I wanted to be in charge of learning and development because I'm a volunteer instructor for the Community Associations Institute and it turns out I love it. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And I don't know if you're seeing the comments. So if you click comments on the right side. Ooh, I better do that. Hold on. All right. No, I wasn't. So <laughs> I don't know if you know. Yeah. Do you happen to know Megan? She is on multi-family side predominantly. I don't think HOA at all, but she's out of Michigan. Don't think I've met her directly, but I have to say I'm more of a face person than a name person. So Megan, if I met you, I'm sorry uh, that I don't remember your name, but you're right. My mom is a badass. And she speaks like she's in a similar situation. She actually, she has a family business. Her mom, she bought her mom's business recently and it, it's property management and some other things as well. So similar-ish story, really. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I will say most people in my industry, they fell into it. It's not, people aren't going to school going, yes, I'm going to be a community association <laughs> manager and I'm going to get yelled at for a living. I, yeah. I, I can't, but not really. That's actually our goal is to start getting it into colleges so that people can choose this for a career. So that's right. We're at the crossroads with the old people like me trying to get new blood into the industry. And I imagine Real Manage is a fairly large company and there's probably somewhat of a consolidation happening. There is. Yeah. We're the third largest community management company in the country. And there is a bit of a consolidation going on. And I think it's, I think it's generational. I also think it's tech technology wanting to compete as best we can. And the large companies are doing a little bit better with the margin situation. They're figuring it out because the smaller companies, it, it's difficult to, I don't know why, but it is, it's difficult to yeah. charge for the services that they are asking for above and beyond. But these larger management companies have figured it out a bit better than at least I was able to. Yeah. They can share a lot more. I see. I'm going to get yelled at for a living is the quote of the year. <laughs> I got, I got a lot more where that's coming from, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks McKenna for the, for making that a quote. 
Yes. It's yeah. yeah. And I would say that that's a transference that quote plays in both worlds for sure. <laughs> yeah. And like I say, the community management, even if you're doing everything right, you're getting yelled at by yeah. someone. But if you make a mistake, woohoo. I so know. yeah. You have to be really confident. That's really what it boils down to. Confidence yeah. will serve you amazingly in this industry. That's it, really. Because yeah. people go, ooh, she knows oh. what she's talking about. Because people smell like fear. <laughs> Honestly, they smell chum in the water. And I was just saying this to my daughters this weekend. And my other daughter said, and I'm a great white. They smell chum in the water. You got it. You have to be confident. That's right. Yeah. And you're from Illinois. I can imagine you have a little bit of the, the Chicago uh, in you through and through. Yeah. Anybody that is from this area, we are very different than the rest of the country. I When I first sold Real Managed, Chris and Chris told me that Illinois was their HR nightmare. And that's really the truth because we're just going to tell it like it is. There might be profanity in there. And that's just what it is. But we're very different. Our board members as well are really highly educated. We make a big point of trying to educate them and double-edged sword. So people walking around thinking they know everything about uh, the industry when in fact we do this every day. So we do yeah, know. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's wonderful to have them educated, but it creates a situation where we're a bit more high maintenance in this state. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny because you guys are a big part of the big chunk of the business, aren't you? What do you mean? Like number of communities up in Chicago versus other so, areas. Yeah. Oh, God. So anywhere in this area, no one's building anything that is not in a community association. Municipalities love it because we'll pay for services that everyone else is paying out of separately, sometimes in our taxes. And it's actually a huge issue for community associations because sometimes they're paying things out of their taxes and then the community association is paying for them as well. But if you can imagine municipalities, they don't have time to worry about the abandoned vehicle in the front yard uh, of this home. Uh, much better to have a community association so we can take the heat on it. So yeah, yeah of course we have, Pass right. Yep. So we have community associations everywhere. We have more business than any of us can deal with. We're a close knit industry, at least in Illinois, as a result, even with my competition, okay. I can say most of them I love. That's good. To, that's good. I think that's true in multifamily too. There's so much transference where people, they work here and then in their case, something gets bought and then they move to the next company and yeah. there's a lot of moving. So you, you better be friends with everybody because you might work for them. <laughs> yeah. You know what? There's a lot of turnover in the industry. And again, it's, we're in growing pains right now. It's uh, the industry is incredibly young. The community associations Institute was formed in 1970, the same year Rowell was formed. So we're in a different era right now, both generally generationally with community managers, but we also are seeing infrastructure problems we've never seen before because we're only getting to that age now as community right. associations. Yeah. And that's where, oh yeah, we didn't want to put money in the reserve fund. We didn't want to plan for that maintenance or that roof or whatever. 
and then they're like oh now we have to pay like a hundred thousand dollars cool <laughs> yeah exactly and even if they are putting money in the reserves which is really you just have to boards are reticent to make really big ticket items decisions they it just takes them a long time to make decisions that cost so much money and unfortunately with the infrastructure problems we're seeing now sometimes they're taking too long and something goes wrong which is yeah yeah and i was just talking to somebody on hoa side yesterday about how in florida for instance there's like task force being made and they're trying to like really go after that because obviously more recently a pretty terrible thing happened in florida yeah. and that kind of sets a tone for the rest of the country is okay we got to pay attention to this stuff yep yep so yeah from the city of chicago they they had some bricks and rocks actually fall off the facade of one of the high rises there oh. the sidewalk so dangerous so Going now wrong. they have laws in place to check your facade with an engineer every couple of years and it's expensive but of course, we're learning from our mistakes. Oh man, that's that would have been terrible that if yeah. that actually hit somebody. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, that's good it didn't. And I can imagine being that it gets so cold there that there's so much expanding and contracting. If something gets in between the facade, it's gonna cause it to dislodge and we have a lot of expansion and contraction, just like you said, a lot of it, which is why community associations and really multifamily, they need to get frequent reserve studies where they have an independent consultant check the buildings and make sure that they address anything that is dangerous. Definitely. Yeah. And that's something I've learned. I've been in this, my role for three years and I've learned a lot more about the HOA world as time has gone on mm -hmm. and just the HOA needing reserve studies, reserve funds and all these things. I didn't even know what those things were. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you know what? Why would you really? Yeah. And this is the same thing with people that move into the first time they're moving into a community association. They're like, why are you charging me this much? Why are you putting this off to the side? Why? And so it it's an educational process. All the time. Yeah. All the time. A hundred percent. All the time. Yeah. yeah. As we like to say here in our world, HOA all day. We, we like, it's all about it because you're setting up times to meet with boards. That means probably after hours and yep. things like that. So that it's just a different animal when it comes to sales and everything. And that's part of the reason that we're, it's, we struggle a little bit with attracting new talent because as I said, getting yelled at for a living, but really you got to think about the fact that their evening meetings mean you're not likely eating dinner with your family. And so we have to be very careful about the portfolios so that we're able to get some work-life balance. Because back in the day, there was no work-life balance. I, mm. I didn't eat dinner with my kids for the first six years of their lives. We don't want to do that to people anymore. Yeah, that's tough. That is a nuance of the industry that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh, yeah. And so that's why you wouldn't want to load somebody up with... I don't know, 10, 10 communities. And it's like, they have to be at meetings every month or something. And yeah, they definitely will have meetings every month. 10 isn't that big of a number. I know it feels really? like a big number, but what you do is you make sure the portfolio has some HOAs where you manage only their monument and maybe the trees on their berm around the community. 
and they'll have less meetings and less things that you need to worry about. And so you need to have a nice mix of communities. Sometimes you have financial only communities where the amount the community manager is doing is just very limited. You just have to be really wise. Most of our right now, most of our Illinois managers have roughly eight. But like I say, depending on the portfolio load, they go up to 10. And there's others. When I teach classes throughout the country, I hear people say, I have 20 communities. And, oh, but that's what's happening because you're trying to make a profit. And I think people in the industry or homeowners and volunteer boards, this is a for-profit industry. And Mm -hmm. so they forget that. That mm-hmm. we have to factor those things in there as well. We don't right. want to go out of business. We can't yeah. serve you if we don't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's tough. That's super tough. Yeah. That that part of the business, like when you're spread between 20 communities and they have an expectation that you're going to do a certain amount of work is just, I can't even imagine how much you're just feeling pulled all the time in different directions. Yeah. And as leadership, we just have to continually educate these boards because I, as the community managers, they take enough heat. We don't need to, we, they need our help. I know that you're the right person for the job that you're in right now. And I know things are only going to get better and better for you guys. So that's, that's, it's going to be fun to see that when you guys continue to grow. Because like I say, I wonder what the future holds for just HOA management in general. I know just hearing from other lar- the larger companies, it seems like there's, again, just smaller companies getting more and more absorbed into each one. And it's at the end of the day, it's like keeping up. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, we it's hard. The mom and pops, especially that have been around for a really long time. We're not charging for the extras, if you will. And so, you know, these larger companies have got it down where it's a little easier to know whether you're over serving a client a little easier. It's still a really big problem. Someone that is barely, they're barely paying anything because they're a smaller community, which is understandable, but many smaller communities think they're large communities. <laughs> and and so it's a, it's a balance to try and make sure we're not over-serving. I feel like you need software for that. And maybe you have it, but... <laughs> we have proprietary software that's pretty amazing. But even then, it's not like an attorney where they're, I talk to you, here's the times and all of that. It's more of, here's how much you pay us monthly and we're going to take care of these things. But they, they, people have unrealistic expectations sometimes. So yeah, they're always going to try and get more. Absolutely. Human nature. Yep. Very true. Well, kind of tied to this topic is just conflict management. It's something that you brought up when we first talked and I laughed a lot about it (laughs) because you brought up some pretty interesting things. And so I just want to hear your take on conflict management, especially when it comes to communities and boards and all the interesting nuances when it comes to managing HOAs. Okay. Conflict management is one of the biggest parts of what we do for a living. And I am constantly teaching about this. I'll start off by saying that I have the firm belief that if we can figure out how to work together in community associations, 
that we can build, we can build our politics from the ground up. So people that are willing to work together, maybe they'll be aldermen, maybe they'll be a mayor, maybe they'll move on to the state legislators, all the way up to federal. Right now, we're doing it the opposite way. And what's happening in community associations is everybody's on edge, just like everywhere else, by the way. It, it's You can't escape it, right? People are just a little crazy right now in the last few years. And when you consider all the things we've been through, it's understandable. But when you take it to a community association level, and again, the whole aspect of it being their sanctuary, where they're raising their families, and then you add societal pressures, it's really created a lot of conflict right now. Our job is to do whatever we can to get people on level footing so if you've got, as a Matt, as an example, you've got a resident coming to a meeting and they're angry, you're going to not only prepare the board by making sure they have all of the conversations, whatever letters that we've received, and make sure they have everything so they can have a conversation. But things like when that resident walks into the meeting, I'm going to give them a um, copy of the agenda. I'm going to say, Here's when we take audience participation. I've already given the board all of the information that we talked about yesterday. Is there anything I can help you with at the beginning before the meeting starts? It is uh, very hard to be irrational with someone who is helping you. It is not impossible, I must say. It is not impossible to be rude to someone who's helping you, but it is a lot harder Because at the end of the day, we want to arrive at a conclusion that works for everybody involved. We're not going to always do that, but I want to be able to answer someone's questions where there is conflict, have them understand the reason we're saying no, and then you can move on. They're not going to be happy necessarily, but they're going to at least understand what happened, taking the emotion out of it to whatever degree we can, because we have heightened emotions in community associations. So there's just all these tips and tricks. You might, if you have a board that is arguing amongst themselves, which is also a thing, you want to do things like introduce a code of conduct in advance before you have problems within the board so that people understand what's expected of them and how we deal with conflict. Everyone's on the same page with that. Whatever degree you can also inform the homeowners, that's great too. And so there's all these ways to try to get to a place where people at least can see the reasons why decisions are made. Yeah. And I can only imagine the breadth of different reasons for conflict. What are like the most common, maybe slash most humorous slash ridiculous things you've with. I will say before I before I say something funny, a, a lot of times that homeowner that will not stop emailing you or calling you, they might be lonely. So we it's important for us to understand that we don't know what's happening in their lives. So empathy, people can feel whether you have actual empathy or whether you're just going through the motions. So we always want to consider why someone might be contacting us that much. They might be lonely. And not that that's okay, that you're their sort of source of conversation, but 
it is what it is that so i always think of things like that empathy is a big deal but all the reasons for conflict oh my god i had one community where the person upstairs they had one person about two stories and the person downstairs had made them mad and so the guy upstairs was dropping bowling balls on the floor just to bother the person downstairs and you can imagine first of all how am i to prove that they're dropping a bowling ball on the floor it's happening at night it's not an easy thing to record So, and by the way, that person ended up being on the board for the person upstairs, the bowling ball person. Was on Um, the board. Yeah. Afterwards, he joined the board. He was on the board for 15 years. No kidding. And hilariously, I was teaching a class for CAI at their conference. So big event. And I told this story and he was in the audience. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just told that story. You always have to be careful. You never know who's going to be in the audience. But yeah, people do. Oh, what's his name? I think he's in. Yeah, no, he's not. He's passed away, so I'm safe there. (laughs) Now that we're good here. Yeah, exactly. So that story is safe. People will do just the craziest things because they're upset with one another. And Mm. that is really our job is to take it down a notch to see that people, you know, like, and I'll even say that. Hey, guys. We need to take this down a notch. Should about this later? Do we need some more preparation? Um, because people do crazy things to upset one another. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. and they probably have different views. And so, you know, politically or whatever. And politically, we're at a powder keg moment in life right. right now. And just think about it. If you have a, a demographic that is just wide ranging even trying to find social events that appeal to everyone is incredibly difficult, but you're going to have the person that might be 70 years old. They have a hundred percent different concerns than the person who's 40. You have situations where literally people buy a condo, they're on the second floor, no problem. They have a child and toddlers run around. That's what they do. And you have the person downstairs saying, I can't sleep. They have their child's running around all the time. How do you address that? I can't send a letter to tell them that their child can't run around. Get so, thicker, thicker padding in the... <laughs> honestly, a lot of these condos, they were, they're built a long time ago. They don't, they didn't have the technology we have now for additional yeah. sound barriers. And right. there's so much they didn't consider. Let's say 70s. Everyone didn't have their own car, so you didn't have parking problems. But now you have a kid in college and you have another one that's 17 and you have two parents, that's four cars. These communities did not contemplate four cars. So it is a constant fight, constant. And it's one of those things that it is a limited resource. There's only so much that we can do. Even if you contemplate adding additional guest parking, everyone says, not in my backyard. I don't want to look at that. So it's a constant problem. Things like that, that that developers just didn't think about back when they built these places. Absolutely. That's literally why we became a company. And (laughs) exactly, because that's what you have to do. You have to sell extra parking tickets 
in these communities so that you can control the amount of vehicles in your lots. People do crazy things, hit one another's cars, key each other's cars. It's just crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of our founders lived in a condo community, was on the board. The most common conflict and topic of conversation was parking and it was around guest parking. And so he was like, I'm pretty sure I could build a solution. Yeah. And so he did. <laughs> yeah. The other big thing in community associations is pets. It is dogs. Mm -hmm. And of course, people are, people love their dogs. End of story. So you have problems with, with people that just don't pick up after their pets. And actually in a conflict management particular story, I had a homeowner who sent me an email and it was a really long email. And she told me this story in a hilarious way. She said, I came home from work. I cracked open a beer. I went out to my patio, sitting back, so excited to be chilling out. And I look and there is dog feces right next to my patio. And, and so she, in this letter, she's, I, oh, that's ridiculous. I don't own a dog. I, this, I can't even relax on my patio. So anyway, she was very witty. So I responded and said, I love your wit. Okay. What if you founded a committee to figure out how we can solve this problem? Maybe we have three non-pet owners and four pet owners and you guys get together and figure out how do we solve this? There you and go. said, yes. And so that particular community, what they did was they had a pet parade. They had, and, and they had little, they gave away shirts and little uh, bracelets that said, we love our pets. And so how does that solve the problem? It turns a, a problem into something positive. So people can see, you know what, there's a really great side of this. And then right. they, they had committee meetings. They sent out articles. So you really can turn something negative into something positive by just thinking outside of the box. Yeah. And get stakeholders from both sides to come together and yeah. come up with a solution. And it works. It really yep. works. Yep. Yeah. It's getting to know people and then just getting past conflict and getting to, okay, you're a person, I'm a person. We both live here. There is common ground to some degree. We can get past things. Right. You, know, you just so. have to figure out solutions and you know what yeah. they're constantly. So there's companies now that will, of course, for a while, pick up the, whatever the people have left behind. However, it costs money. People don't want to pay that. Right. Yeah. Now they have these great dog stations where they, a service will come out, empty the garbage where people have put the waste, have new bags there. It's really quite amazing. Mm -hmm. And yes, Pets, parking, and people, you're 100% right, McKenna. And this pit bull thing, pit bulls are fabulous. So people need to lay off the pit bull. <laughs> Honestly, every dog has the tendency to nip or whatever. It's about training them yeah. and being a good owner. They just have a, they have a uh, bad rap, but they're mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, because they, sometimes they get, they get owned by the wrong people. Right. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, want them to be macho and aggressive <laughs> and the thing is even the nice ones they sound scary but they're not yeah so yeah i completely relate to all of that yeah 
Thank you for sharing a little bit that conflict. It's a thing for all areas of life, but when it comes to HOAs, I can only imagine there's a tendency to be almost like a mediator and babysitter at times. Honestly, we have a ton of people in the industry that used to be social workers and that's, you're halfway there, man. All you need mm-hmm. to learn is the community association world. But if yeah. you successfully mediate conflict, that's the key to the kingdom right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a, that, that is a nuance of com, when you compare one to one. Right. Cause they own it. They right. own it. When you're dealing yeah. with an apartment life, first of all, the people. One owner <laughs> or maybe a few, one, but. Right. <laughs> dealing with business people typically. So yeah. it, it's a different animal and people in community associations, they own that home. So they're like, no, I'm not doing that. And so you have to meet right. Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting dynamic. I have a, I literally have a say in this. Yes. <laughs> well, and you know, what's funny. We hear homeowners say a lot, how can you do that without my consent? And well, you didn't ask me my opinion and community associations are run just like the rest of our governmental agencies are run. You have an annual meeting where you elect a bunch of representatives to make decisions on your behalf. So if you are a homeowner, that is when you get to exercise your right. There's very few things once you seat that board that they have to come (coughs) for. Just remember to participate. And they can go to meetings, right? Oh, a hundred. In Illinois, we have massive legislation. They can, we can barely make any decisions outside of an open meeting. Yeah, hundred percent there. And now it's a beautiful thing. You can very often join virtually, even if there's a live meeting happening. So we're really able to reach out to more homeowners now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of little things to be figuring out. And we deal with that too, to a degree, because really you're, when it comes to multifamily, it's different because like we interface with the property manager, but with HOA, it's more that we're interfacing with the board. And then you're also a supplier in a sense, just like us. There's it's you're a manager, but it's you're their customer as well. So the very best setup, yeah, the other way, but the very best is that you're communicating with the manager. Yeah. So what happens is when the volunteer boards step in and they're doing the communicating. They expect us to be able to solve problems and answer questions that we might, if you're handling it on your own, we might not even know. Your management company should be the center of communications. And then we communicate and make decisions out here as a team. But when it goes through individual board members, that's where you get confusion and problems. And as long as we're, if you have a volunteer board member that really wants to be involved in the day to day, we can do that, but we need to do that together. Yeah. It's interesting how many people from boards we get reaching out to us yeah. versus it coming through the property management company or community management and then coming to us that way. Yeah. We, get, we start with board members quite I, frequently. I know. And it's one of these things that I'm constantly trying to teach people because of course it makes sense. If someone else is doing all the talking on these day-to-day items, then we don't know the answer. We don't know what you've just done. We don't, 
And it's, it puts us in a precarious position because we can't properly answer questions. In addition, because board members should be making decisions in an open meeting, they run the risk that they're making decisions outside of what the board has authorized. And we always need to make sure that everyone's on the same page about what's happening with all of our vendors and all of our projects. That is actually a weird nuance. We can't, they a lot of times can't meet individually with us. We have to figure out a time where the entire board can be on the call, right. which creates a whole nother. Trust me, I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm well aware. And I got to tell you, back in the day using typewriters, yeah, we did, we had less communication and no smartphones. In fact, there, no, everything was attached to the wall. But people didn't have these unrealistic expectations. The number of emails we get is mind boggling. So it's really, we're all adjusting in the industry to everything new that's happening. You've got board members texting you non-emergency items in the middle of the night. It's just, it's one of those things where we're all figuring out what the line is. Where is the line? So we know when we've crossed it. Absolutely. There is one more important thing that I want to cover because I know it's actually something that's really important to you. And I phrase it as paying it forward. That's what we call it. You created a foundation with some other people called Celebrating All That Is Feminine. Yes. So can you explain as to like why that started and what exactly you guys are doing? Sure. I was a participant in Landmark Education, which is an international company that is training leaders, for lack of a better description. But the very essence of Landmark is that it teaches you how to communicate better, and it teaches you how to get out of your own head and your own circumstances, give back to other people that have circumstances that don't even approach your concerns. So anyway, um, I, it's an all female family over here, right? My dad participated, but I got a sister, I got a mom, the three of us together and this industry, by the way, a lot of females in this industry. So in any event, what, what I did was I got in touch with my professional friends and we formed celebrating all that is feminine. And basically what we do is we throw fundraisers for already established not nonprofits. So for instance, we have a an annual baby shower for veterans, female veterans that have come back and they don't have, maybe they don't even have a home. They don't have anybody to support them and they're pregnant. So we have an annual fundraiser for a baby shower for them. And when I say an annual fundraiser, we give them car seats big ticket items and make them baskets. So that's one of our things. And then we have a pay it forward event, one event per year. And uh, we find new beneficiaries each year. This year we, we provided money and we actually were able to give almost $11,000 and the beneficiary is called ElderWorks. And what they do is they provide services to seniors and, and it's all at no charge. And for any of you are younger, you do not realize the amount of work it will be to take care of your parents. Mark my words, you don't realize it. So in any event, I just, that was a PSA. <laughs> ElderWorks, they do all of this for free. They have seniors come visit them, call them all the time. And so we just gave them a nice big check to keep 
going with those free services. So we pick a new beneficiary every year. We had one in the area here, sex trafficking. And what they were doing was taking women out of that situation. They created a home for them and took them out of that life and figured out how to get them into normal society, given all of the trauma. So it we do something new every year. That's great. Thanks for doing that. That's the biggest thing with a nonprofit is getting funding, getting the resources yeah. for you guys to be able to to kind of take some of that burden off of some of those organizations, I'm sure is very much appreciated. Yeah, we do a we do a silent auction and raffle. And we like to say, hey, if you're going to go out and have a couple of drinks, why not go out and have a couple of drinks with us and support a really great charity? But yeah, it's our 15 year anniversary in 2024, which is crazy. But wow. I will tell you, the very busiest people are the ones that give back because you need to get out of your own head. Your circumstances, it, listen, I got a lot going on in my life, but these people have a lot, a lot more going on in their lives and yeah. giving back is really important. When you have a lot going on and then just stress, like yes. compounding it yep. because you don't know if you can find a place to live or get the resources you need. And yeah. And then it creates that stressful environment for kids and everything else. And someone who has been sex trafficked, are you kidding me? Whatever we can do for these people. And the bonus is that you're teaching your children that it's also important to give back, that everything doesn't resolve, revolve around our family, mm -hmm. that there's so much more happening in the world. It's true. Thank you again for all your gut you guys are doing with that. That's really of great. Love it. I want to just also thank you for being guest number 70 here on Boss Talks. And again, kicking it off with my for my HOAs. It took way too long to get an HOA person on the show. 70 That's is great. a big number. So yeah. I again am hopeful that's gonna be a trend upward that we'll get more. But I know that there's so much you're doing in the industry and for CAI and teaching and all the things and that you've gotten awards and been in it just so long. Yeah, so I'm just thankful that you're here, that you've given some of your knowledge to my listeners. And I, I hope to stay in contact and continue uh, this relationship. But uh, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me, Evan. I, I really appreciate it. And I will share this far and wide and you can, you'll get more community managers or all, all facets of the industry for sure. Yep. Awesome. Thanks everyone that was watching and participated. I appreciate the comments. And if you want to be a member of the boss family, the boss talks family, just reach out to me. I am a open platform when it comes to elevating all the bosses in, we'll say residential housing yeah. in general. And uh -huh. so if you want to be on the show, share your passions and your leadership style or whatever it is that you have on your heart and mind, I'd love to have you on the show. So reach out and let me know. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boss Talks Podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out via email at info at communityboss.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.